Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Say with me, God's Word is good. I'm telling you, God's Word is good. The Bible says it's been tested and tried. And you know what they found? It's good. It's trustworthy. It's true. Faithful. We can trust our lives to the provisions of God's holy written Word. What God says is. He watches over His Word to perform it and to make it good. I don't know about you. It's time that we rise up in our level of faith. It's time that we rise up and believe God and stop being hemmed in by what? By our, by our five physical senses, by doubt and unbelief that wants to hold us captive and prevent us from believing God for big and mighty things. Do we serve the God of this Bible? Do we serve the, God, the author of this Word, this written Word? Absolutely. Is He a God that has eyes to see? Is He a God that has ears to hear? Does He have an arm that reaches out and a hand that reaches out to bless? Oftentimes we read in the Bible, the hand of the Lord was upon them. The hand of the Lord is the Spirit of God, the anointing of God. It's the extension of God's willingness to help people, to bless them, to empower them, whatever they need to get by in life. And this life as a success with an abundant life on this earth and in experience degrees of glory, you know, when we depart from this realm of life. But you see, that's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God that He is. He is a miracle-working God. Someone says the day of miracles are already gone. There's never been a day of miracles. There's only been a God of miracles, and He's not gone. He's not passed away. Did you know that? But the day of miracles are passed away. God didn't die. We didn't have any, you know, funeral service for God. He's still alive. Can you say amen? He's still alive. He's still on the throne. He's still blessing people, reaching out. How do you know God works miracles today? Because there are needs today. That's how I know it. I said, where there's a need, there's a God to meet that need. Where there's a human being suffering, there's a God to reach out and provide what is necessary for that person to be free. Jesus did not come to set up rules. Jesus did not come so we can have more religion on the earth. Did you know that? Jesus came, the Bible says, to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. That's what He came to do. He said, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. He came to save that which was lost. He came to save sinners. He came to heal the sick, to raise the dead, make the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, and the maimed to be made whole again. That's why Jesus came. Absolutely. And you know, it's time that we rise up on our level of faith and tell people and proclaim that message. He said, the anointing of God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, recovering the sight of the blind, set at liberty the bruised, and preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, when everybody has freedom. Everything is restored. Everyone has freedom. He came to, to bring restoration to everyone, all of our lives, each of our lives. That's why Jesus came. And He's the same yesterday. Say with me, Jesus is the same. Say, Jesus, you're the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. You don't change. Beloved, He doesn't change. He never will change. What changes is the heart of man. What changes is man's spiritual condition. Did you know that? I mean, there were the days right after Jesus' ascension when they walked the earth as God's supermen. Did you know that? I mean, they went about doing great exploits in the name of the Lord God. 
They went about doing good like Jesus did. They went about healing the sick and raising the dead and leading people to salvation. Multitudes were added. Thousands were added as a result of their testimony. Great grace is upon them. Great power was upon them in Acts chapter 4. And they stretched forth their hands and mighty miracles were wrought by the, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And multitudes were added to the church. The shadow of Peter overshadowing the people, you know, the, by, which was the anointing of God, caused people to, that were brought in cots and beds in, in all kinds of conditions and sicknesses to be healed and set free. Beloved, aren't we living in the same dispensation? The dispensation hasn't changed. This is the church age. It started back then. It is still continuing right now. It will not end until Jesus comes for us in the clouds of glory. And that hasn't happened yet. Have we missed it? I don't think we've missed it, have we? Please tell me we haven't missed it. Have we missed it? I mean, Jesus hasn't come back yet, has he? Absolutely not. You know, and that's our blessed hope. We're looking for that blessed hope. And in the meantime, we are to occupy till he comes. We are to stay in the word of God and we are to persevere in the things of God and change not. Just stay in the word of God. And that's what I want to talk to us about again tonight. It's about persevering in the things of God. Persevering in the things of God. So if you brought your Bible, John 8, 31, 32, all that was free. Father God, now you know as well as I do that we cannot understand truth apart from the aid or the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are not to learn just intellectually. We are to learn spiritually because truth is spiritually perceived, not intellectually learned. And so would you with me right now pray and invite the Spirit of God to, to teach us, to guide us, to lead us into all that is true and enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge? Absolutely. Father God, we come before your presence in Jesus' name. We know the value of understanding your word. And we know apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we cannot know truth. And therefore, we yield ourselves to you. We open up our ears. We open up our hearts. We open up our minds to be attentive, receptive, and open to receive, dear Father God, what you have tonight for us. We are here not for religious purposes, but we are here for reality. We want reality. We want intimacy with you, Father God. Our hearts are upright and pure before you that you might show yourself strong on our behalf in the day in which we live, in this hour of need. We thank you, dear Father God, right now for enlarging our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, of wisdom, understanding, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness. And as an act of our will, we say we will not be distracted. We will learn. We will be taught. Line upon line, precept upon precept, and we'll have the knowledge of the truth that makes us free, that we may walk worthy of you, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. I personally thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim the truth of your word and the power of the Spirit, that our faith would not stand in the arm of the flesh or the wisdom of man, but our faith would be in you, our Father, our God and Creator. Oh, we thank you, Father God, for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Amen, 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 amen. God's Word is good. God's Word is alive. God's Word is powerful. It's quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's active. It's cunning. It's piercing. And it's alive. It's a container. Words are containers of life. God's words are containers of life. And if we'll just get a hold of the Word of life and say, Spirit of God, this should be our confession daily. Quicken me according unto the Word. Quicken thou me according unto the word. I don't want to have a, a head this big full of knowledge and no reality. I want to have the knowledge of your word, but I want reality. Quicken me. Make it alive in me. Make it real. I don't want to just talk about something that someone else did, exploits that others have done. I want to be the one going about doing the things you want me to do. I want reality with you in this realm of life in which I live. Beloved, if that's not the case, why are we here? 
Why are we here tonight? You know, what are we doing? Just saying, you know, I want just to know about God, but I don't want to know Him personally. I want to know about the miracles, but I don't want to experience one in my life. I know about you. I want to just experience them every day of my life. I want my life to be a miracle. I want to walk with Him in intimacy of fellowship. I want to walk with Him with the consciousness of righteousness, my standing with Him. I want to walk with Him in reality of holiness. His holiness is pouring forth through my life. I want my life to be a continual pageant of triumph, diffusing the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere I go. That when people see me, to those that are righteous before God, to them it will be the fragrance of Christ. They'll know it. And to those that are lost, it will be the aroma of death. They'll know something's different here. I better get it right with God. See, that's what Paul wanted. Paul says, I'm pressing toward the, mark, the prize of the market, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What was that? Oh, that was to be intimate with God. That was to have the fullness of the life of God manifested within him. He knew what it was all about. And that's why when he prayed for the church at Ephesus, he said, look, oh, Father God, I bow my knees before you because I want these people to be strengthened with might by your spirit in their inner man. I want them to walk with you in intimacy of fellowship until they're filled with all the fullness of God. And you're able to do for them exceeding abundantly above all they ask or think according to the miracle working ability that's efficiently active in him. That is a better translation of Ephesians 3 and verse 20. I will say it again. He wants to do for us exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the miracle working ability, the dunamis, miracle working power of God, ability of God that is efficiently, that work it, that is efficiently active within us. That's how God does it. That's how God does it. And how is it going to happen? How will it transpire? We must continue in the Word of God. We must persevere in the Word of God. We must persevere in prayer. We must persevere in love. We must persevere in faith. We must stay in the Word constantly and be persistent. Why? Because we have an adversary called the devil. And you know what? If there's any good thing, any one thing that we can say, there's nothing good about the devil, but there's one thing we can say about him, and that's this. He's persistent. He is persistent and will not back off for a minute. And you know what? I think we neglect uh, to consider that many times. We think everything is okay because we're children of God. We're, you know, we're, we're, we, we know Him. We're walking with Him. And so we let days go by without fervent prayer. We let days go by without the study of God's Word. We let days go by without really getting down to business with Almighty God our Father. We let days go by without really confessing the Word of God boldly from the heart. We open up a wall, a hole in the wall of prayer, or a breach in the wall of prayer. And what happens is the enemy can come in, and because of a you know, lax attitude on our part, we can give place to the enemy. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, Give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. Don't give him any ground. Don't give him any territory. Don't allow him to gain entrance into your life. Give him no license to do anything in your life. Well, how does he do that? How does he gain this kind of control or entrance in our lives? Beloved, know this. The enemy, through persistence, through perseverance, through continuing day after day after day, hour after hour after hour. I said last Wednesday, it's just like a dripping faucet. You ever, you ever be in a, you were in a room where you're trying to study or do something and there's a faucet just dripping and dripping and dripping and dripping and dripping and it's annoying. The devil's annoying. Just absolutely annoying. Just like that constant drip, just drip, 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 doing what? Tearing down the mind, tearing down the mind, dropping thoughts, constant thoughts to tell you how no good you are, to tell you how much you lack faith, to tell you how God's not pleased with your lifestyle, to tell you anything negative about yourself. And he'll just do it and do it and do it and do it and do it 
and continue doing it and doing it and doing it. It's just like the dripping faucet, constantly, 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 over and over and over. It's very annoying. Very, but he knows this. If he can wear us down, if he can gain that little bit of control through constantly doing it again and again and again, he'll gain more control and more control and more control and more control and more control over our lives, over our thinking faculties, ultimately to destroy us in any way possibly can. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, to destroy. That's why he's coming. That is, that's his program. That's exactly what he endeavors to do. That's his undertaking. His undertaking is to do this, to destroy, to kill, to steal, peace of mind, family unity, health, whatever it is, finances, whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, that's exactly what he sets out to do. Through this method, this process of annoying us with thoughts and producing imaginations or images by constant drippings, you see, of thoughts and imaginations and, and statements uh, said to our minds to, to get in, to wear us down. Let's get to that definition, to persevere. It means to continue in an enterprise. It means to continue in a condition. It means to continue in an undertaking. In spite of counter-influences, in spite of opposition... In spite of discouragement, we continue doing what we know to do in spite of the counter-influences, in spite of the opposition, in spite of discouragement. See, the enemy knows if he can discourage us by putting things constantly in our face, discouragement is this, it's the loss of of spiritual initiative through sudden harm or, or great perplexity it's the loss of spiritual initiative if the enemy can discourage us from constantly speaking the word concerning our circumstances if he can discourage us from staying in an attitude of prayer until we get results do you see that if he can discourage us from protecting the word within our hearts until it produces fruit, then he can prevent us. See, if he can discourage us, then he can prevent us from experiencing reality with Almighty God. He can prevent us from experiencing that miracle working power that we need. He can prevent us from experiencing reality with that word of God that we've been speaking forth and proclaiming. If we've been believing God for a marital relationship to be restored, He'll endeavor to discourage us from continuing in that undertaking until finally we just kind of faint in our minds. If he can get us to faint in our minds and weary in this well-doing and slow down and finally stop putting forth the effort and the energy. In other words, if he can get us to stop persevering, he knows he can prevent us from experiencing the reality of the Word of God in that area of our lives. If he can stop us through discouragement from speaking the word of God over our circumstances, he can see to it that he can prevent us from gaining the victory over our circumstances. And beloved, he does this and it doesn't matter. Just know this, no matter what you set out to do, it doesn't matter. He is going to attempt to stop you and stop me from making any progress in God. Did you know that? If you didn't know that, it's time to realize that. And you know what? Take a stand against it. 
I'm telling you, it's time for the believers, true believers, to rise up to a place of holy anger and tell the enemy, enough is enough. This is not your ground. This is not your territory. I belong to God. And as far as I'm concerned, you have no place. You have no part in my life. And you know what? Our minds belong to us and to God also. And that includes you have no ground up here. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound or well-disciplined mind. He does not want our minds to be controlled by an adverse force. He does not want the enemy to gain a stronghold over our reasoning faculties to get us discouraged. Did you know that's what happens? If he can get a hold of our reasoning faculties, our thinking faculties, our minds, and control us here, he can destroy our spiritual initiative and prevent us from getting further ahead in God. We've got to realize that 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5, talks about the fact that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God that are pulling down a satanic strongholds, casting down thoughts and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ or the obedience of the Word of God. He wants us to get our minds renewed to the Word so we can pull down satanic strongholds. Sometimes I think we have an idea that they're way up there. No. Right here. They want to get right here. Dominate our thinking. Control our thinking. Why? To cause us to lose spiritual initiative, which means we don't put forth enough spiritual energy to get results with God. Well, beloved, it's time that we say, you know what? This place does not belong to you. This is reserved for God. My mind is being renewed to the word of the Most High God. And I don't go by what saith the enemy. I go by what saith the Lord. What did the Lord say about this matter? It's time that Christians everywhere rise up and begin to know the word of God. Did you know that? I'm telling you, I say it time and time again. But everywhere I go, I find out that not too many people are taught in the word. They're not schooled in the word of God. You share some things in the Bible, it's almost... They're taken back by that. And you didn't know that was in there? I mean, I didn't know you did. Yeah, I know it's in there. And there's a whole lot more in there. People, we need to know what God said. How can we have any basis for faith if we don't know what God said? And then once we find out what God said, do you know what? We must persevere in it, in the pursuit of it. Why? Because reality does not come automatically just like that. Reality with God comes when a person says, I'm deciding to be tenacious in faith. I am not going to remove myself from the realm of faith and the realm of God's Word. I'm staying in the Word of God. I will persist in the Word of God. I'll persevere in the Word of God. I will hold the Word of God up before the throne of God because God said, My Word does not return void. It accomplishes that which I please. It prospers in the thing which I send it. He said, My Word that goes forth out of my mouth shall not return to me void. We give God His Word back. We return His Word to Him. When we speak it forth and we proclaim, Father God, didn't you say this? Father God, didn't you say that? Did you ever read that way back there? When... Uh, When the the, the temple was dedicated, remember when the temple was dedicated and they began to proclaim the word 
And they begin to say, Lord God, did you not say that whenever we find ourselves in trouble, when we ever find ourselves in adversity, that we are to come before you, we are to present ourselves unto you, and we are to proclaim your name? Did you not say that when the enemy would rise up against us in this way or that manner or that fashion, that we are to stand here in this holy place, we are to look unto you and call upon your name? That's what they did. Didn't you tell us to do this in our time of adversity? Didn't you say to do this in our time of trouble? That's God's word going back to him. And he says, yeah, that's what I said. And I'm watching over my word to perform it. And if you'll keep that word in your heart and keep the word in your mouth, my word will not return void. It'll come back in power. It'll be fulfilled in its season. We need to persevere in the word of God because Jesus said so. Look what happened. Look what will be the result. This word continue here in John's gospel, chapter 8. Did you find that yet? I'm glad you did. Hallelujah. In John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 30, 30, 30, let's start with 30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue, that word continue made me think of the word persevere, and the word persevere made me think of the word continue, because to persevere means to continue. It means to keep on keeping on. And keep on going. That's what it means. It means to continue in any enterprise, to continue in any condition, to continue in any undertaking. Well, beloved, we've begun this race. Are we about to quit now? We've entered into the realm of the Word of God. Are we about to to, to take a back seat right now and say, well, it doesn't work in our lives? Absolutely not. It's time to become more tenacious in faith. It's time to rise up with your head lifted up because He's the glory and the lift of our heads and proclaim, look, Father God, these are the things You said. You said, put me in remembrance of My Word. Why? Is God becoming senile now? Does He not remember? Absolutely not. He knows what He said. He wants to know if we know what He said. And that's why He says, you put me in remembrance of My Word. And beloved, when we do that, look out. I'm telling you, look out. When you set yourself apart unto God and you start saying, Father God, you said this and Father God, you said that, you're persevering in the Word. And you're saying, Father God, I know that's what you said and no matter what comes my way, let the storm come. Let the winds blow. Let the trials, let the sun scorch. Let, let anything do what it wants to do. I'm not moving off your Word. Your Word is sure. It's steadfast. It's eternal. Heaven and earth can pass away. Your Word changes not circumstances, situations, temporal things are subject to change. But your word changeth not. You change not. And therefore, I'm standing on your word. I am proclaiming what you said. I am declaring it. And it doesn't matter what opposition says. It doesn't matter what counter influences say. What matters is I know that what your word says is. And therefore, I stand for it. And that's all there is to it. And I'll not be moved. Beloved, that's when we'll begin to see dynamic results and mighty workings of God's power. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. This is the result of it. As we continue in the word. See, Jesus said many, as he taught the sower, remember the sower and the parable of the soils? He said, some will get a hold of the word and they'll hear it by the wayside. Some on stony soil and, and all that. Remember he said all that? He said, the, the problem was with many, they're not going to persevere. They're not going to stay. They're not, they don't have any depth in them. And therefore, when the winds of adversity blow, the seeds blown away, then when 
Persecution ariseth, or the sun is scorching and shining, the plant begins to wilt away because there's no water there. Do you see? That's what he's saying. He's saying that the word's the same way. The word is incorruptible seed. That word cannot change. But what changes is the condition or the soil of the heart. It, what changes is the attitude of man toward the things of God. Beloved, we're far removed from the days when they began to walk the earth in the power of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God fell upon those men and, and those women there in that upper room. We're far removed from those days. They believed God. I'm telling you, they believed God. They knew nothing but believing God. It didn't matter if they were going to be beheaded the next day. They believed God and an angel appeared and opened up the jail. Hallelujah. Those are the days of reality. Those were the days when they knew that their God was right there to reach out and manifest himself in great power and might. The days when Paul and Silas were there in prison and in jail. And they just continued in doing what they knew to do. Do you think they were going to give up on prayer and praise? Absolutely not. They were in that jailhouse and they were suffering. Their backs were bleeding and, and all that. You know the story. Their feet in, in, in the stalks and everything, bound up, uh, you know, with chains and everything else. But did it matter to them that they were going to be persecuted the next day and possibly killed or whatever? It didn't matter to them. They did what they knew to do. They continued doing what they knew to do, which was to pray and praise. They prayed in the hard places and they praised in the hard places. And as they began to praise in that hard place... Everybody there heard them. They all were listening to what they were doing. Maybe they thought they were crazy. But I guarantee you, the more they praised, the more the glory of God was revealed. You know why? Because God inhabits the true heartfelt praises of His people. And as they began to praise God and persevered in faith, believing that God was inhabiting their praises, they chose what? Not to look at their backs. Not to look at their situation. Not to look at their condition. They chose to stay or to continue in this endeavor or this undertaking. We will praise God Almighty because we prayed and He heard us and we'll give thanksgiving and praise and honor and glory unto God like they did in days gone by. And as they did that, the glory of the Lord was, was revealed there. It was manifested there. The jailhouse was blown apart. The doors were blown off. Their, everybody's bands were loose. They were free. They were delivered by the power of God. That was reality. They knew they'd have reality with God. And that's why they acted on the Word of God. That's why they continued to persevere in the Word of God and with praise and thanksgiving unto God. Beloved, we're no different. We are no different today. We must persevere and continue in the things of God. And I'm instructing the Lord to tell us all right now, continue in the things of God with greater fervency. Continue in the things of God with greater diligence. Persevere in the things of God and walk in the Word of God as you know to walk in the Word of God. And do not be distracted by all the outward forces that are around us. All these outside forces that are endeavoring to to influence, to go another direction. All these counter-influences that try to get us to to trust in man or the arm of the flesh or other things. No. Get right back into the Word of God. Start afresh if you need be. Start anew if you need be. Get right on back into the Word of God and begin reading it as if you've never read it before. And say, Father God, here I am. I'm opening up myself to you once again. I am not going to walk away from you. I'm not going to walk on the fence with you. I'm opening myself up to you right now. And I'm going to walk in in the power of the Spirit. I'm going to walk according to the Word of God. I'm going to be led by your Spirit directed by your spirit, guided by your spirit. I'm going to be flooded with your love. I'm going to become your channel of power and of grace and of might and your wisdom upon this earth. I open up my heart to you. I open up my life to you. And I'm here for you to use me as you see fit and as you see will. I'm going to walk in the light of your word. And beloved, before you know it, I'm telling you the lightning of God's glory will come out of heaven. The fire of God will hit you inside your spirit. It'll rise up on the inside of you. It'll cause things to happen inside you. It changes take place inside you. God doesn't change us apart from our cooperation. Did you know that? 
He only changes us if we cooperate with Him. As we yield to His Spirit, as we look to His Word, He'll change us from glory to glory. It's time to take another step up for all of us. Another step up in faith. Another step up in love and the power of God, the wisdom of God. I'm not satisfied. Are you satisfied? Don't become complacent. Don't become satisfied. Want more of God. Desire more of God. Persevere in the Word. Cast down those thoughts and imaginations. You can make it in God all the way. You need not be overcome. You need not be defeated. Your life need not be destroyed. And your joy need not be taken. Because the joy of the Lord is your fortified place. You say, I've heard that countless times. You're going to hear it countless more times before you leave this service tonight. The joy of the Lord is your fortified place. There's one more time. I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Which is the place that God has a stronghold in your life. Do you see that? Continue in that. Persevere in that. And don't let that go. Oh, just persevere in it. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. You'll stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free if you'll just persevere in it. You say, but you don't understand my circumstances. I know that, but He does. I'm telling you, He knows your circumstances. He understands your circumstances. He's trying to get us to get our eyes off of the problem. He's trying to get us to get our eyes back on what thus saith the Lord. Because as long as we will continue looking at the circumstances, the circumstances will dominate our thinking. But if we'll begin to look to God in prayer, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He's just leading me as He wants to lead me here tonight. Forget notes or anything else. Let's just go ahead and find out what the Word of God says about things. We need to hear this over and over and over again. If you think I'm going to start preaching the weather report some night, you might as well just forget it. Because I'm just not going to ever do that. I'm going to preach and teach this word. And every time I go to a scripture, you think, we never saw that scripture before. Have you ever read Philippians chapter 4? You have? Verse 6? Someone said I read it through twice. I know it all. Well, I'm sorry. I beg to differ with you. Because when you hear it again, it's going to do something good inside you. I'm telling you, I've eaten apple pie. And you know, every time I eat another one, it just does something for me. It just does. It's good. I'm t- I mean it. And if you baked one tomorrow and said, would you like a piece of it? I, I say, certainly. Absolutely. I wouldn't get disgusted. I wouldn't get disgusted and say, well, you know, I, I had one yesterday. I'm sorry, I had one yesterday. Now, why are you offering me another one today? You say, just before I came to church, I read Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. That's all right. You're going to eat it again. (laughs) Right now. Start with verse 4, though. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord when it's to your advantage. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because rejoice means to joy and rejoy again. That's what it means. To do it again and again and again and again. Rejoice over and over and over. Join the Lord over and over and over. You become stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And God has a stronger hold over your life. And God's power is activated in a stronger and mightier way in your life. That's why Paul said, look, rejoice in the Lord always. Even in prison, when you're going to be beheaded the next day, when your back's bleeding, just rejoice in the Lord always. If there's a problem that you're encountering, remember this then. 
Let your ration be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Don't have any worries. Don't have any anxieties. Don't fret about anything. Don't become discouraged. Don't lose out in spiritual initiative. Just see to it that you rejoice in the Lord always. How can I do that? When you know that God, your Father, is bigger than the problem, you can rejoice. If you don't know that, then you're in a sad state. But when you know that God is bigger than the problem, when you know that He is superior to any task, more than equal to any task, when you know He's all-sufficient, when you know He's more than enough, when you know that He has an, has an overflow, an abundance, when you know all He's got to do is wiggle His big toe like He did over there for Paul and Silas in the jails. You know, the doors are broken, the bands are loose. When you know that, when you know your God is bigger than what you're facing in life, you can rejoice in the hard places. You can rejoice no matter what it looks like, no matter what it appears like. You can rejoice and not worry. Beloved, if we would just take those two admonitions, if we would just do what he said, do rejoice always and don't worry at all. Can you imagine what kind of carefree people we would, we would be? No anxieties, no worries, no ulcers, no, none, none of that stuff. Why? Because the God that we serve is the one who cares for us. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, everyone say everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. All we have to do is pray, supplicate. If there is a need, continue in the Word. This is continuing in the Word, doing what the Word said do. You say, how do I continue in the Word? How do I persevere in the Word? How do I continue in this, this undertaking? Just do what He said do. Do it again. Do exactly what He said right here. You facing a difficulty? You facing a difficult situation right now? The first thing to do is remember, rejoice always in the Lord because the joy of the Lord is your fortified place. The next thing to do is, is to make certain a decision, a, a, a dedication of your body. In fact, members, I will not be full of anxiety. I will not fret. I will not worry over this matter. I refuse to. I will rejoice in the Lord. How do I do that? Just start saying it. And when the feelings of worry, when the feelings of anxiety, just like that dripping faucet are there, and it's constantly, constantly, constantly pounding and pounding and pounding, the enemy's saying, you're going to be destroyed, you're not going to make it, you'll never rise up to a place of victory, shut that faucet off, put in a new washer if you have to, do something, whatever you need to do, but turn that thing off and stop that constant pounding against your mind, pull down that stronghold, that imagination, we don't want to give any place to the devil, no territory, no ground, no place of operation, we don't want to do that, and then flood your mind with the Word of God and begin saying, I, uh, I refuse to worry. I refuse to fret. I choose to rejoice in the Lord. I'm not going by my feelings. I walk by, by faith and not by sight. I'm not going by my feelings. I refuse to give in to my feelings. I walk by faith according to the Word of God and I give my Father God my supplication and my prayer with thanksgiving. And then begin to thank Him. Begin to thank Almighty God your Father because He heard you and that's why you're thanking Him. I've made my request to God Almighty, my Father. And Father God, this is the confidence that I have in You. I've acted according to Your Word. I've acted according to Your will. And therefore, I know You heard me. And I know I have the petition that I've desired of You. I am persevering in Your Word. I'm not moving from Your Word. I'm continuing in Your Word until this knowledge of the truth makes me free. Hallelujah. That's exactly what your attitude is and what my attitude should be. All of our attitudes should be the same way. And what does he say will happen? Well, as you let your request be made known to God this way, he says, the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and keep your mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And then whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there be any virtue or praise, think on these things. That's continuing in the Word. Just do what he said to some of us right now. God is speaking to our hearts right now. You face some dilemmas. You face some situations. You've encountered some difficulties. And you thought, now, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you forgot about acting intelligently on the Word of God. You forgot about putting God's Word first place and saying, you know what? This is what God told me to do. This is exactly what he said to do concerning this situation. I'm going to do exactly what he said do. I am going to act on that Word. The first thing I'm going to do is rejoice. Well, why am I going to rejoice, first of all? You know why? Count it all joy when you fall into adverse temptations, knowing the triangle of your faith, work of patience, and the patience of a perfect work. Why? You'd be perfect and entire, wanting absolutely nothing. Isn't that what he said? Count it all what? Joy? What? When? When everything is going right? No. Count it all joy when you encounter difficulties, tests, trials, and circumstances, situations of life. That's the first thing he said do. Continue in the Word. Do what the Word said do. What the Word said do? Count it joy. Command it to be joy. Proclaim joy. If you want joy, you're going to have to shout for it. If you want joy, you're going to have to leap for it. I mean, I didn't say that. That's what the Word of God says. Why? Because it seems, like, it seems like some things are trying to weigh you down. You know, this oppression could come upon you and get your head hung down low. It'll just hang down low just like that. The more you start thinking about He's the glory, the lifter of your head, the more you start thinking about the fact that when someone messes with you, they mess with God Almighty. He is your Father. He loves you. And you know, when someone messes with you, I'm telling you, the Father does not take it lightly. I'm telling you, because you are His chosen one. You are His very own child. He is there to protect you, to deliver you, to keep you, to uplift you, to help you, to uphold you. And when you start thinking about that, I mean, you just look at, you really look at the situation. You take inventory, just like Abraham did. He took inventory, and what did he conclude? What did he come up with? With this. If I kill Isaac, God has to raise him him from the dead. Did you know that's what he concluded after he took inventory? He considered the whole situation and said, well, if I kill him, offer him as a sacrifice, God has to raise him from the dead. So he cheerfully went up there and was about to offer his son as a sacrifice unto God. Knew God had to raise him from the dead. He had to. No way around it because he took inventory. Take inventory. You've got your problem on this side. You've got God the Father, Son, Holy Ghost on this side. Take inventory. He said, I am with you. I am for you. I am in you. And then I'll be saying all these different things over here. But see, get your eyes off of that. Get your eyes over here. He said, I want you to turn with me. Because this is what he said. This is continuing in the Word tonight. Isaiah 41, verse 10. This is what he said. Oh, this is good. 41, verse 10. Fear thou not. Isaiah 41.10. This is continuing in the Word. Fear thou not. Fear thou not. Fear is a destructive force. Fear will destroy. It will destroy faith. It will manifest itself in tragedy and calamity. So God says, fear thou not. But He doesn't stop right there. When you hear an evil report, a report... Of doom and gloom. It's easy to become fearful. And to imagine the worst. That's why we must immediately look to the Word of God. Don't believe the evil report. That can be a lying vanity. But let's look to the good report. Didn't Isaiah say, Lord, who hath believed our report? 
Well, this is the good report. God Almighty, your Father said, Fear thou not. But He gives us reasons why not to fear. And He says, For I am with thee. Now, in the New Testament, we have more than Him being with us. But just to know that God was with me, on my side, would be enough for me not to fear. Because the psalmist said, God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Though the earth be removed and the mountains cast into the sea, I will not fear. Because beneath me are His everlasting arms. So I will not fear. That's pretty definite. And a good reason why not to fear. So He's with me. My refuge, my help in the time of trouble. Present help. So, I will not fear. I will not fear. Because my God is with me. But in the New Testament, He is also for us. If God be for us, who could be against us? And He's also in us. Three relations He sustains toward man in the New Testament. God with us, God for us, and God in us. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's time that become more than just a scripture that we quote, but a reality to our hearts and minds. Amen. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, which means, dismay means to lose spiritual initiative or discouraged. The loss of spiritual initiative. Through sudden perplexity or fear or something like that. Great perplexity or sudden fear can cause one to lose spiritual initiative. Don't lose that spiritual initiative. Continue in the Word. Persevere in the Word of God and open up your Bible. What did God say about it? You said, Lord, fear not, for you're with me. You are with me. You said, don't lose my spiritual initiative, for I am thy God. And say it unto Him, you are my God. Okay, is that enough? No, he didn't stop there. As our God, he said, I will strengthen thee. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange strengths. In other words, he will empower us. In Philippians 4.13, we have the revelation in New Testament that says that we can do all things through Christ who does what? Who infuses strength in our innermost being, enabling us to be equal to any task that we face in life. And he says here, I will strengthen thee. So if we find ourselves weakening, if we find ourselves fending in our minds, we can wait upon him and we can give his word back to him and say, Father, did you not say? And they'll say, yes, that's exactly what I said. Well, then why isn't it happening? And they'll say, because I'm waiting for you to act upon my word like it's true. And start saying, I'm operating in the strength of God. I'm not going forth. I'm not facing this difficulty in my own power, strength, or ability. Father, I'm facing every situation in the power of your strength, in the power of your might. And I'm looking to you because you said you would impart this strength, and now you have become my strength. And we start saying that. That's acting on the Word of God. And beloved, God watches over His Word to perform it to make it good. He said, I will strengthen thee. You say, but you don't know. How am I going to do it alone or by myself? He says, I will help thee. He will provide what is necessary to see to it that we can get the job done. That script, that word there actually means that he himself, God himself will see to it. He stands right there by our side next to us. And if it need be, he will make what is necessary to help us get the job done. That's what he'll do. Now, I like that one. 
But are you ready for this final one? Yea. You say, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I don't know if I'll hold out to the end. He says, well, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I will uphold thee. I will. Father, you said you'd uphold me. Now, that's not arrogant. That's just giving his word back to him. He said, put me in remembrance. Father, didn't you say you'd uphold me? I'm acting on your word. He loves it when we act on his word. Did you know that? Didn't you say you'd uphold me with the right hand of your righteousness? Do you know what that means? you ever see in the Bible where God moved his right hand? How many of you ever saw where God moved his right hand in the Bible? Going back to Exodus with me. This is where God moved his right hand. Chapter 15. Continue in the Word. Persevere in the Word. Speak forth the Word. Do what the Word said do. Act on the Word. Get rid of that faucet dripping. Turn it off. Start listening to what God says. This is what He said that He would do. And then act like it's so. Just do what He said do. Say what He said. Remind Him of what He said. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, or verse 2 rather, The Lord is my strength. And song. And has become my salvation. He is my God. I'll prepare him in a habitation. My father's God. I will exalt him. How are they going to prepare him a habitation? By singing forth his praise. The Lord is a man of war. Did you know that? The Lord is his name. Well, who's he fighting? He's not fighting us. He loves us. We're not his enemy. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. Oh, you start calling upon the right hand of the Lord. You better look out. I'm telling you, the enemy better look out. Because the right hand of the Lord is in great and excellent in power. And glorious in power. His right hand dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of thine excellency thou hast overthrown them that rose up against us. Thou sentest forth thy wrath which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright as in heat. And the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. That's the dripping. You hear the dripping water? Drip, drip, drip. The enemy said, I will pursue. You're not going to make it. You're going to go under. I will overtake. You'll be defeated. You'll be destroyed. You're no good. God's not going to get you out of this one. He's not going to be you. I will divide the spoil. I'll make a mockery of you. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I'll draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind. You start calling upon the strength of God. The help of God and the right hand of God, your Father. I'm telling you, He moves that right hand of His. And look at, Thou didst blow with Thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto Thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like Thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out Your right hand and the earth swallowed them. Whew. Thou in thy, in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. I'm telling you right now, you start calling upon on the help of God, the strength of God, and the right hand of the Lord. And this is what he does. 
He becomes an enemy to our enemy. He becomes an adversary to our adversary. And he begins to work on our behalf to show himself strong, powerful, and mighty. To do what? To overthrow the enemy. Beloved, to overthrow the enemy. And the enemy is overthrown by the right hand of our Lord. And who's seated right there at the right hand of the Father God? Who is? What's his name? What's his name? His name is Jesus. Why did he come? To destroy the works of the devil. Do you see that? That's why he came. Jesus is his name. The right hand. He's at the right hand of the Father God. Jesus is his name and he is forever the same. And I'm telling you right now, that name can do anything and will do anything and everything that the Bible said it would do. If all we'll do is call upon it. If all we'll do is call upon it. That name. In that name we can cast out devils. In that name we can speak with new tongues. In that name we can take up serpents. In that name we could, if we drink anything, it will not hurt us. In that name, lay hands on the sick. And in that name they shall recover. Oh, some trust in their chariots. And some trust in their horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We remember the name of the Lord our God. And they are brought down and fallen. But we are risen and stand uprightly. Because we remember the name of the Lord our God. We are persevering in the word of God. We are shutting off the faucet to all these thoughts and imaginations that come against us. To tell us that we can't make it. That we're not going to be successful. That all this is just too high for us to attain and to achieve. But you know what? We don't listen to any of that. We will not listen to any of that stuff. We turn that thing off. Pull down them satanic strongholds and thoughts and imaginations because that's against the knowledge of God. If you think that you're beginning to faint, just call out for the strength of God. He said, you'll exchange strengths with me. If you feel as though you need some help, you know, sometimes instead of trying, instead of dialing all those numbers on the phone over there, just dial Jeremiah 33.3 because right over there he says, call on to me and I'll answer you. That's exactly what he said. I'm telling you right now, we should be more quick to call upon him and his name and start trusting in him than the arm of flesh or anybody else. And anybody else's relationship with God. Start calling out. And you say what? Just say help. And, and, amen. If you have to say like that one lady prayed and said, Lord, if you was in trouble like I'm in trouble, I'd help you. That's what she said. Now, that was her prayer. Real profound, wasn't it? Oh, think about that. Lord, if you was in trouble like I'm in trouble, I'd help you. How many of you would help the Lord if he was in trouble? Come on now. Give me your hand. Would you help him if he was in trouble? Sure you would. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. Then why do we have such a difficult time thinking he would help us when we are in trouble? Can you see how that works? And you know what? Unconsciously, you just go help somebody. If you saw someone in need and, and you know, you're right there, you'd help that person. How many of you help someone if a woman was trying to get in, inside the church door and she had two bags in her hand? Who would help open the door? Absolutely. Why even ask a question like that? Well, what about him? Do you think he will move to help us? He said he would. But what's he waiting for us to call upon him? That's what he's waiting for. He'll not interfere. He'll not intrude. Just call. He said, I'll help thee. Say it like this. Father, didn't you say in Isaiah 41.10 that you'd help me? Didn't you say that? I'm reminding you of your word. I'm calling upon you for help. Help me, Lord. Look out because he's about to move his right hand. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins. 
and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.